and gentlemen, children of all ages, Hollywood Entertainment, in association with the Last Jedi Sewage Company, is proud to present the championship fight for the ages. In the red corner, weighing 56 stone, he's mean, he's keen, he's got his comfortable slippers on, it's Steve Donakabab Hester. And in the blue corner, clocking in at 18 feet tall while in his stocking feet, the writer, the fighter, the don't-give-a-shiter, Andrew Roger Dodger Carson. Did anyone ever tell you when you do that, you sound like the guy who does the commentary on Round the Bend? Round the Bend? What, you mean the uh, that kids puppet TV show from yeah. way back in the 80s? You know the guy who does uh, the voiceover for uh, Wee Man and the Masters of the Lunaverse? Oh, jeez, yes. <laughs> you sounded just like him. <laughs> I'm sure you were going for Michael Buffer. Yeah, that was my intention. Um, oh, oh, Michael Buffered, in this yes. case. Well, we've seen how much plastic surgery he's had, but you know he, he's very litigious, so we can't go too far with that one. Oh, Michael, oh, look, I pressed record this time. <laughs> <laughs> I put so much effort into that about 30 seconds ago and then completely forgot to press record. I love fighting out of the red corner. Mr. Oh, shit, I forgot to press record. By the way, Andrew Roger Carson uh, fighting out of the blue corner, apparently. Yes. I really wanted to be the red corner. I wanted to be the Russian. Well, like I say, I've got a red T-shirt on. So, but no one can see that. I've got a blue jumper on. But yeah, well, there no you go. So it's it. all worked out well, you know. And there's no need to rock the boat. And speaking of rocking, that's... <laughs> don't you mean shocking? <laughs> Jesus! Oh my god! Yeah, come on. Been cancelled yet? <laughs> oh god, I'm. It's only a matter of time, really. Someone will pick us up just to cancel us. I know. <sighs> It'll yes. be Warner Sorry. Brothers. They'll give us our own movie and then they'll never let anybody see it. <laughs> that never happens. No. Anyway, yes. Yeah, your fantastic segue was leading into uh, a very overdue what's in the box, I believe. Yes. Yeah, well, we, we're not going to go into the full details on why this has been delayed, but there, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on, so... The show's just had to take a brief little back burner sitting, uh, but we're back, we're at it, and yes, Rocky, which has been on the cards now for what, about three weeks, four weeks? About three weeks. Uh, this was pulled out of the box just before our Valentine's Day episode, and by the way, if you've not seen the Valentine's Day episode, then why do you even follow us? That is the reason yeah. why we do these type of things. That Valentine's Day episode was absolutely amazing. It's been very well received. It's still getting views now. It's going yeah. up every single time I look. Yeah, that was um, a cracking night, despite the fact that we had to uh, do it at 2, 2 a.m. our time. Till, till half four. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that, that was it. a stretch, but it was worth it. So Yes. We do these things for you. But yes, uh, we did What's in the Box with uh, Rocky. We were supposed to do that the week after the Valentine's Day episode. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, uh, we, we've just had... Uh, to be honest, I, I will place the blame on myself quite a lot because I think the entire setup of that Valentine's Day episode uh, totally burned me out because what a lot of people don't know is, one, we were doing it over, like, what, five different time zones? Yeah, there was we- Los Angeles, Oklahoma, Idaho... Uh, there was someone, uh, was it Ellen that was in, is it Toronto? Toronto, yeah, yep. Bulgaria and ourselves. Yeah. And leading up to that, we, we had people who'd confirmed and I had to replace people because people were dropping out, literally going up to the show. So if you see the utter look of relief on my face when you watch the Valentine's Day episode, it is very genuine. Yeah. <laughs> because I was just... At breaking point, and I needed to take a break after it. Yeah, gin and plus also I've been helps. really busy. Yeah, and gin helps. Yes. Yeah. Um. But yes, let's get back to the point in hand, Rocky. Um. Which this is one of those movies where 
because of how much of a cultural impact it had, I'm pretty sure that everybody out there who heard that I had not seen it at some point just suddenly just threw up their hands in complete and total despair. I know you probably did when that got pulled out. Um, But it's one of those movies which has never just kind of crossed into my realm. I remember it being a big thing back in the 80s when I was a little kid, but it never really appealed to me. I've never been into sports films. I've never really been a massive Stallone fan, all told. I mean, I, I like him. I, I don't mind him. I, just not, I, I don't kind of go for his stuff. So it was never something which I wanted to actively seek out. I'm actually glad that I did, though. Because right. okay. uh, that's good news. Yeah, because I I enjoyed it. I I, I have a few issues with it, Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I like the tone of it. I like a lot of the performances. Uh, And let's not forget the fact that Stallone wrote this bloody thing. Famously, yes. Famously. And there's a long list of things uh, that can be attributed to this movie that have just become ingrained in popular knowledge and the the catchphrase is like oh Adrian all the rest of that that has been echoed back and forth for the better part of the last 40 odd years so we all know about that there's things like him selling his dog that's in kind of popular knowledge so it was a case of well how does this movie actually live up to all that and in a lot of ways, it does. It's a very, very bleak movie in terms of the tone and the setting. Philadelphia in the 1970s was like a lot of places in North America in the 1970s. It was an economic slump pretty much globally. You look at the UK during that time as well, and it's it's a dire situation. So the Salford, yeah. Even the people of Philadelphia are like, you're crazy. But the story is, and I have no real need to do this, but I will do for anyone else who hasn't seen it, is you have a fighter, a boxer, called Rocky Balboa, the Italian Stallion, the Italian Stallion. No idea why they pronounce it like that, but anyway. Who... Yes, uh, don't Google uh, Sylvester Stallone, Italian Stallion. You'll no. get a completely different movie. No. <laughs> 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 yes, yes, I'm sure his mama will be proud. Did, did she do some as well? <laughs> I'm sure Jackie Stallone did porn as well. Well, if not, we'll f- we'll find out from her lawyers soon enough. <laughs> it probably will do. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty much on the edge of being washed up. He's entering his thirties, and he gets through just sheer random chance the opportunity to go toe to toe, toe to toe, toe to toe, toe to toe, toe to toe. With the, uh, he's rubbing off on me, um, with the heavyweight champion, Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, who, let's face facts, still looks great for his age. He's in The Mandalorian right now. He looks fantastic. And then the whole thing is about him and his relationship with Adrian and him trying to get himself into the right kind of shape to be able to take on Apollo, not just physically, but mentally as well. And uh, towards the end, he says that he's, he doesn't think he's going to beat him, but he just wants to go the distance, go the distance, go the distance. And, spoilers, he does. He doesn't actually win, though. It's a technical knockout, I think. Um, no, don't they go at the, the end of it? Time that goes a draw. I, I don't know, but you, at the end, you've got Apollo just kind of like jumping up and down and going, yay! And I think everyone's just surprised that he's been able to last that long. It's, it's the going-the-distance story, it's not the winning story. Yeah. So, famously, Stallone wrote this movie, and I honestly thought he directed it as well. He did in later years. He did a lot of the sequels. Yeah, I can't remember the, the name of the guy who who actually said that he was directing it. John Giavilton? That might be it, yeah. Yeah, he was um, the director of this, and director of the Karate Kid movies as well, by the way. Really? Yes. Ah. So, he kind of likes that theme, I guess. Ah, he found his milieu. <laughs> I did have to follow online to that, but I've forgotten what it was. You can't remember it, can you? No. What was it? Really? Shall I get a mop and a bucket? <laughs> yes, that's the one. <laughs> Damn. I, I know. That got away from me. I know. Uh, right, so first of all, if anyone does want to watch this, it's available on Amazon Prime. Yes. However... 
one thing which didn't strike me, and I don't know what it is that has caused this, but there is so many artifacts within the film that you would normally see on a fairly well-used tape or uh, a film reel. You know, little scratches and smudges and bits of hair. And the picture itself looks very clear, but it doesn't look like it's been fully remastered and they've tried to clear it up. Did you watch it on Prime? Yeah, on Prime. That's interesting. Yeah, because you would have thought it, it would have had a full HD, well, a 4K remaster or whatever. Oh, but... yeah, that, that'd be right up there for it for yeah. MGM. It's one of their masterpieces. Yeah, it's definitely one of the flagship ones. Uh, a couple of other things which stood out for me as well, such as the the lighting. It has that very flat 70s lighting where it almost looks a little bit like a TV show at times. I do love uh, that. Yeah, but there's certain moments where it honestly made it feel like that episode of Police Squad with the boxer. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I can't remember oh, what the name of that episode David, is. David is going to love that reference. Well, it does because <laughs> he's and you've got those that in that interview with Apollo where he's basically Apollo Creed. He's based off Muhammad Ali, but um, he's got that moment where he's he's talking about all his, uh, his what he's going to be doing in the fight and how much he likes Philadelphia and everything. And all I could think of was what is it? Roses, roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet. I'm going to break your face. <laughs> That's all I could think of. S- spoken by Grand L. Bush. Yes. Uh, Balrog himself and Grandel, I know you're out there on my Facebook feed. Hopefully you'll listen to this episode. We want you on, buddy. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, just to talk about Street Fighter alone, we could get a full hour out of that. But, yeah, we've got so much that we could talk about with uh, with Grandel. Um, so it brings on to kind of like the main issue that I have with it. It's Only the... one? Well, I have a few, but they're mostly kind of little... Little annoyances, little niggles, like the the dialogue gets a little bit lost at times, uh, and not just Stallone, but in some of the other characters, the like the guy who plays Paulie, um, Bert Young, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where he comes home and he overhears Rocky and Adrian talking about him, and he loses his shit. But his dialogue is lost in certain parts underneath the him smashing everything up and then talking over each other and he's kind of slurring his words to the point where I was actually struggling to understand what was what he was actually saying. I got his intention, but I didn't get what his dialogue was supposed to be. And a lot of the issue can be laid as well at Stallone. A lot of his dialogue does feel like it's improvised Mumbled. at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that that's Rocky's style and Stallone's embraced that to a certain point. It's less so now, but it definitely was that way during the 80s. But it, it felt like he was almost talking his way through a scene, just generally talking. And I know I know a few people like that, but it felt that improvised way. And I don't know, it just it didn't quite sit with me as well. I, I, I wanted the script to feel or at least a dialogue to feel a bit tighter. However, the the main point that I do have with it is I don't really believe the romance between him and Adrian. Not the fact that they have this romance, but because of the way that it's set up. (laughs) Oh, you mean the incredibly uncomfortable scene when he takes her back to his house? Even before that. (laughs) Even before that, when... Rocky goes to Paulie's house. Paulie is just being an unbelievable dick. Jeremy throwing... Sisto levels. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's throwing a turkey out. He's basically pimping out his sister to his best friend, and uh, and then they go on the date. And the dates, you know, he's he's quite sweet. And then he takes her back to her, his apartment, and and they make out. But it's so creepy. It's yeah. so kind of almost, almost, uh, I don't know. It It's said in a number of times that she is, and I am quoting from the film here, that she is retarded. Um, but then she says herself that she's just, that she has too many thoughts in her head. And, and she's kind of very, very shy because of that. Um, and it does feel almost like she, he's taking advantage of someone who is handicapped. 
Yeah, that's it's, actually it's, interesting. When you see the sequels, that's kind of completely brushed off in a way, and she's more, well, ba- basically just like a regular performance. So yeah. it's only really the first one where that really kind of is honed on. He gets very uncomfortable to see yeah, that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that, that was one of the things I had. Um, I've got to focus on something here, which may throw your entire review out. Now, Shoot. I will actually say here, I do like Rocky. Mm. Um, I'm not such a fan of the others. I think it was milked far too much um, until probably 2006 Rocky Balboa. I would go on to say that that is just as great. Yeah, I have heard that it was uh, a series of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah right it, up it until got to number then. five, and it was like, yeah, that's 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 the end. <laughs> you know, but no, yeah. 2006 came along, and now you've got Creed. We're just about to expect Creed three to be released, mm-hmm. which I, I've been impressed with Creed so far. One and two, I'm looking out for number three. Yet again, I've uh, I've not been not had the pleasure, but uh, they'll uh, be in the box. They'll be in the box. Going but, slightly off Tom, topic, um, Jonathan Majors is he's doing well at the moment, isn't he? Oh my god, he's having a great Creed year. Creed three, Quantum Mania, Gang the Conqueror. Yeah, he's doing. Phenomenally well, and he's big breakout for him at the moment. Definitely, yeah, yeah. He's he's going to be a major player for at least another four years until yeah. the next Jonathan Majors comes along. Somewhere, John Boyega is like fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... If only I hadn't agreed to be in those fucking Star Wars films. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Getting back to what my point was that might change your entire review. Okay. Um, in watching it again. Something irked me here, and it's more irked in the way that people actually talk about Rocky and healed it as a classic. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that it's like, oh, you know, this down and out fighter works his way up to, you know, face the champion of the world. He doesn't. No, bullshit. It's a movie about dumb luck. He wins the fight via a lottery. Yeah. There's a whole scene where Apollo's going, well, what about this guy? Yeah, well, he's fractured a rib. Well, what about this guy? He's fighting in France. Or what about that guy? He can't do it. What about this? And then he comes up with the idea to just pick just a random fighter out of a book. Yeah. You know, they might as well have just opened up a phone book and then put a blindfold on him and then just go, right, him. What, he's a butcher. Yeah, I don't care. We're going to have him. I'm going to fight Billy... Billiamson, the butcher, Urgh. and then and I will actually lay on the line here and say that Carl Weathers is actually the most likable character in this movie. Yeah, and I don't want to shit on the whole Rocky fandom, but there are some things that did irk me enough to really believe that this movie is incredibly manipulative in parts. Mm. Well, we've, we've discussed everything that happened with Adrian. Um, yeah. if, you, if you just look at like the characters, basically, Rocky is all right. He's just simple. But even him, he's working for the mob, for God's sake. Yes. You know, he breaks people's people legs. People tend to forget. Um, Paulie is a hideous person who I absolutely despise. Adrian, well, she's so shy. She ba- Talia Shire basically barely says two words throughout the entire film. Uh, Burgess Meredith as Mickey. Well, he just is just running on anger and fumes. Now, who else can you actually root for apart from Apollo Creed? Yeah. he He's the only one with a grin. He's the only one with a smile. He's the only one with actually some charisma. And I can understand that they wanted to have this underdog story, but at the same time, he works for it, yeah, but he works for it after he gets it. He doesn't have to actually fight to get it. Exactly. You know, so a lot of people really class this movie as, you know, the American dream movie. You know, the Cinderella story. That's that's the terminology that they use. Mm. The Cinderella story. When in reality it's like it's a movie about winning the lottery and then getting your ass handed to you. Yeah. Although to be honest, if I was to uh if someone was to come to me and say, Right, we're gonna give you a shit ton of money but you're going to have to, I don't know, you're going to have to get punched in the face off Tyson Fury. I don't know. 
I'd be like, or Uva Ball in your case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. I'm I'm honestly surprised that Natasha Malfoy hasn't um, got in touch with them and gone. Have you heard what these dickheads are saying about your films, D- dude? He hears it himself. He's following us. Is he? Yeah. Oh my god. Hi, Uva. <laughs> And come on the show, if anything. I'm not even going to show up. I'm just going to leave you and Steve talking for a while. Oh, you, you would do a, as well. You can have a, a verbal Rocky match. There you go. Um, Talk to me wh- about Far Cry. <laughs> yes. So, what was your influence behind House of the Dead? Oh, Did you even have one? <laughs> but, um... No. Anyway, uh, getting back to Rocky. We did... It's amazing that I don't think Rocky has ever had this many links to different movies and things going on in the world. I know. Uh, I will say that Sly Stallone got a Best Actor nomination for this, mm. which somehow doesn't feel right. No. No, it doesn't and, really. And at the time, they were all saying, Sylvester Stallone is like the next Marlon Brando, and you're like, what? Really? No. <laughs> I. No. <laughs> uh, no, no offense to the the legacy of Marlon Brando. And no offense to Stallone, but definitely not. No, I think it's because at the time that particular style was becoming more prevalent, that, that very realistic performance as a the heightened elements that had uh, led up even throughout the 60s, they were starting to go. And so then you were left with more realistic performers such as uh, this was around about the time, of course, when um, people like Robert De Niro and uh, Al Pacino were coming out and they were following the method and, and their performances were based very much on, on this kind of pursuit of the real. And yes. full full marks for Stallone for trying to go there, but it's all very well trying to go for the real. But if you can't actually understand what it is that you're saying, that is lost. Yes, so. that's very fair. And to be honest, I mean, this is from my era. You know, the 70s is my era of movies. You know, I'm constantly on the hunt for movies from the 70s that I haven't seen because I would watch them over anything that comes out today. <laughs> and Rocky does fall into that bubble. Rocky 2, yeah, uh, you know, the rematch. <laughs> and then you've got Rocky versus Mr. T, Rocky yes. versus Dolph Lundgren, uh, Rocky versus Homelessness in Rocky 5. Yeah, and then... And Rocky versus old age. Yeah, well, to be honest, and I will say, Rocky Balboa is a great movie. And everyone was scoffing at the time, thinking, oh my God, he actually has done it. It's like that poster in Airplane 2, you know. Yes, was it Rocky 15 or something? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was the running joke. But he came back and he delivered the knockout blow with Rocky Balboa. Yeah, I I will give Stallone his due. The latter half of his career, when most of his roles has been this monosyllabic puppet had all dried off, it was around about the same time that both Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis were pushed to one side in favour of the more up-to-date 90s action heroes. As soon as that happened in the 2000s and uh, the early 2010s, he properly had a renaissance, and I think that Balboa kicked it off because it was yeah. able to properly show. Wait, no, I can do. It. I'm a triple threat. I can write. I can act. I can. I can direct, and I can make something really good. Yeah, you know, and he's he's rocked it back with um, the Expendables franchise now. There's mm-hmm. Expendables Four coming out. Is it this year? God, I, I don't know. Year. He knows how to sell himself. Right? He knows. He is a product, and this is where it all started. Even though that I do kind of look at it as kind of manipulative in parts, mm-hmm. it does play on a very human emotion. It is a great movie, and considering yeah. it was a low budget, uh, Stallone stuck to his guns and said, "You know, it's only getting made with me in that lead role and no one else." He knew Didn't what they he want had. to offer it to James Khan at one point. I'm, I'm sure that's one name I heard floating around it. Yeah, you know, the, there's there was a whole slew of names. You know what the studio system does? Oh, let's make a list of ten names and just fire it out to all of them. Hopefully, one will say yes. But Stallone was like, no, the only way you're getting it is me doing it. He knew what he had, mm-hmm. and to be honest, 
he had nothing left to lose with it. He laid the cards out and he made it done. And that's the real success of Rocky is in the yeah. actual film and the way it got made on a small budget and became this phenomenon. I mean, it is almost like life imitating art and art imitating life at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, it does have an I mean, God, I had the Rocky comparison with Rumble Rama and it was hard to deny it because it's like, yeah, well, I guess that kind of is that genre, you know? Mm. Like those movies of losing everything and then gaining everything through, I guess, pure luck. Yeah. Uh, We haven't even talked about the actual fight much, have we? Oh, yeah. There's a fight in this movie. Yeah. Everything's leading up to it. And all those people that saw Rocky V only will be so surprised to know that this was about (laughs) boxing. It's, It's very subdued. And I was actually expecting it to go on for much longer. There was there was a point um, where he's being comforted by Adrian in uh, his bedroom, where he, he's not even sure if he can go ahead with the fight. And um, I, I had to pause it because I needed to go to the bathroom, and I saw it. there's twenty minutes left, and I was surprised that it it had that long. I was expecting the actual fight itself to be a much bigger and much grander affair, but it's it's very low key. And there's, I don't even know if they're supposed to be phantom punches, but there's a number of times where it looks like there is no contact being made. There's not even like a reaction of a contact. It's like Apollo would throw a punch and Rocky would lean back almost to get out the way of it, but it never looked like it was actually intended to hit. And I know that they, it, the way that they shoot films now is very, very different to the way that they shot films yeah. then. You could do a fight like in Creed, for example, where it looks like they're properly knocking 10 bells out of each other, but it barely looked like they were landing a single hit in this. <laughs> More like a wrestling the, match. Just wafting the skin off a cup of soup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, to be honest, I, I've always thought sometimes you kind of get short, short-handed in the actual fights in the Rocky movies. I would love mm. to see an actual boxing movie that starts, you know, and tells a story throughout the 10 rounds, 12 rounds, whatever it is, and goes like a full real-time fight book for story set between the rounds. Mm. That'd be awesome to do. I'm very cheap to do. In fact, I'm trademarking it now. No one else can do it. I said it here first, and I'm writing yep. it tomorrow. Writing so by, the it. Time this, by the time this writes, I'll be up to round 10, so go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I'll be the I'll be the manager sat on one side going, Come on! You need to show him that you're not a bum. <laughs> you gotta win, Rock. You gotta win. Yeah. <laughs> I was the penguin. <laughs> uh right, one last thing then before we uh move on. Unless of course you've got anything that you need to add. This was around about the time that the end credits of movies were starting to change. Because right up until the early 70s, you tended to have most of the credits front-loaded. So you'd have a five-minute sequence, you know, like something like a James Bond movie or like the opening to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's the one that sticks in my mind a lot. And all the credits would be over that. And then at the end, you might just have a brief recap, a cast list, and then it's the copyright information. This, This one, it's kind of weird, the way that it's laid out. And it, it really did stick with me because it one, it's a very, very short credit sequence. The cast is right at the end before with no after kind of copyright, this is a motion picture of Association of America, blah blah blah. And it just was very arranged very odd. So it was like the bridge between what we know now yeah. and what used to be then. So that stood out for me. It's completely pointless to pick up on, but it's just that stuck out for me as well. Yeah, there was a lot of movies from the 70s that had these very different end title credits. Mm. Um, and then in the 80s, they were all, ah, chuck all them assholes at the end and we'll just have the most important people at the front. You know, the, the top and second line people. And now you've got stuff like in the MCU where it, where it goes on for longer than the main film. 75 yeah. different VFX houses worked on it with about 800 employees each. So there's just this wall of text. Yes, only beaten by the credit roll for Splinter Cell Conviction that was still going half an hour after I finished the game. 
Oh God, yeah. I so I say I can't remember which one it was. Going wildly off topic again, but I have played some games where the end credits have gone on for about an hour because yeah. one, there's loads of people in there, and two, they go by so slowly. But the Batman games, the Arkham games, they go, they are interminably long. Great games, but those credits, oi. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, so, yeah. The the 70s, I used to love it when the movie would just like end with the cast credits mm. and you'd have all that stuff up front, usually by this beautiful soul base style opening yeah. of images or whatever, something that keeps the movie going. If it opened, I, I was taught very long ago, it's like, you're not opening with just plain black text in that, are you? Black screen, white text, and then, you know, directed by Andrew Roger Carson and then your film starts. People are going to be talking. Yeah, you, you need to shut them talking. up immediately. Yeah, you know, so shut them up the way that Tarantino shuts them up by you know having Uma Thurman's face blown off right at the beginning of Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for some reason, what's springing to mind is um, Blade Runner. Just that wonderful opening with the uh, the shots of L.A. Oh yeah, and the flaming towers and that beautiful opening, big heavy. Uh, bass notes. Wonderful. Van Gillis, the yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Um, here's an interesting one for you. Go on. Away from Rocky, what other boxing movies can you actually think about that borrow directly from this? Oh, I, I don't know. Or any really boxing know. movie at all. I guarantee you'll find a Rocky connection. Someone said to me the other day, well, Cinderella Man, Ron Howard directed with Russell Crowe. Right. Like that, that is basically Rocky, but in years prior okay apart from creed and rocky it's very hard to kind of pinpoint other boxing movies that have come out you had play it to the bone which was woody harrelson and antonio banderas which got forgotten about pretty instantly and did a lot of damage to ron shelton's career who was like the king of directing sports based movies but obviously he didn't have kevin costner in it so it probably it obviously went downhill the hurricane which was a biopic of um, Hurricane Carter, played by Denzel Washington. And that was more of a prison movie than a boxing movie. And it's a great movie. Really is a great movie. Um, but now we're starting to see some boxing movies coming out. Oh, you, actually, speaking of speaking of which, you know what has popped into my head? Um, Snake Eyes, which isn't actually a boxing movie, but isn't the... The guy who plays the fighter in that wasn't he one of the fighters that was that took over Rocky's um, locker in the film? Stan Shaw. Yeah, oh, that'd sure be he was. Interesting. I'm not sure about that, but I am going to look that up after we finish here today. Yeah. So go on. Be. Boxing movies that are coming out. Uh, well, they're doing one on Mike Tyson now, so a biopic mm-hmm. on Mike Tyson. Uh, there's one, I believe, on Sugar Ray Leonard. I think the the trailer for that came out. But there are a couple of lost gems people have forgotten about or or may not have discovered. And they are in the box for you for the future. Uh, One would be the Mark Wahlberg movie, The Fighter, directed by David O. Russell, that also stars Christian uh, Christian Bale Bale in one of his skinny performances. (laughs) One of his typical, yes, I need to starve myself for like God knows how many times in my career to play this person. Did it in The Machinist. He did it in Rescue Dawn, and now obviously he did it in The Fighter as well. But it's yeah. it's brilliant. And there was a movie, oh my God, what, what was it called? It was Miles Teller, Bleed for This, which was the story of uh, Vinny Pazienda, the Tasmanian Devil. I have no idea. I don't know anything about boxing. Okay. Well, That's all. Me neither. I just know the movies. And of course we had Ali with Will Smith. Proving that he could punch well before Chris Rock came along. Yes, I was going to say, he's used to hitting people, isn't he? Yeah, I bet Muhammad Ali was rolling over in his grave saying, boy, I, I wouldn't slap like that. Just give him an uppercut. Knock his block off. Uh, right, I guess it's time to move on to the anniversaries then, isn't it? Oh, yes, some anniversaries. Cool. Watch them again all of the time, or we get them on Prime for free. But we only know 
how old they are when we learn their anniversary. Well, that filled up some time. Yes, it did, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Anniversaries. Okay. Uh, what have we got? I know. You tell me. Oh, well, it's lucky I did some research. Yes. Um, okay. Well, I've got four here that we can swiftly breeze through this week. Okay. Uh, what do you have first? <laughs> first, it's a favourite of yours. Ooh. Can you guess? Ooh, uh, there's many. Just the first one that pops into your head. Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> It was one episode, all along. folks. No, yeah. I mean an actual favourite of yours. An actual favourite of mine. Uh, Lord of the Rings. No. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the year. 1988. Okay. 80, 88. Um, oh, no. Batman was 89. Uh, die Hard? No. Yeah. Die Hard? No, it wasn't Die Hard. Can you believe, Steve? Yeah. That this week in 1988, and remember, we're hot in the period where studios would dump movies they believed were going to bomb. <laughs> Thanks for that, Bill. I look forward to February every year now. Um, Bloodsport was released. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is a guilty pleasure, this one, most definitely. Frank Dukes, as in put up your Dukes, man. Yeah, it's, it's so bad that apart from. Uh, Forrest Whitaker and the 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 other um, the other FBI guy. I don't think there is actually a pro- no no. There's the 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 meathead. I can't remember Donald the character. Gibb. That's it. Yeah, Jackson Ray Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> you you just have this wall of people who in this movie who I don't ever think have seen the inside of an actor studio in their life. Oh, a theatre, yeah. anything. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Forrest completely owns this movie. Really does. You know, this, the signs were there. Yeah. Like he could not do a bad performance if he tried. But um, this one, he, he surely tried and still failed to do a terrible performance. You know, he, he was the most believable one in it. Oh. Um, Bloodsport. Jeez, I remember when I first saw this and it came out on VHS. Every single kid thought it was so cool. And nowadays, every single kid who saw it when it was so cool is saying... Realises how terrible it is. Terrible. <laughs> but it's so terrible, it's brilliant. It is. Oh, my God. The, the worst thing... There are many standouts for it for the worst performance in this movie, but I think the worst performance has to go to the guy that they got as the young Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> oh, no question. He he has been ribbed any time Bloodsport has come up on any podcast. Any... I wasn't going to steal it. <laughs> what kind of a deal? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. and I, the, the Japanese actor who was um, playing like the, the kind of mentor, yeah. he's such a reputable actor. He really was. Yeah. He was huge. No, he, he was good. He was good. He was actually trying to put a little bit of weight behind it. I bet he well, wanted to chop his head off a reel. He probably did because he 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 thought, "Oh my god, am I really acting against this guy?" I've, 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 he probably had his lines written on his chest so that they could get the eye line well, right. Well, I I have a theory that has just kind of cropped up in my head. Go on. That when you look at the the terrible acting of that child, he didn't actually grow up to be Van Damme. He grows up to be. That GI officer who comes in to tell Van Damme. Oh, in Street Fighter. No, in Bloodsport. You know when he's uh, doing his like kickboxing bit, and he says, "Oh, the the general would like to see you." So like, can oh, I get yeah. a shower first? But that guy's acting was on a par with that child. Well, you can't even really call him a child. I mean, he, he must have been what about sixteen or so. He looks he looked around about that age to me. Yeah. He didn't look like a kid. Yeah, I always say when um, you know Van Damme's being like tortured and stretched and you know properly stretched out by this old guy, <laughs> I, because this is supposed to be like an American neighborhood. What right? kind of a deal? Well, I'm going to stretch you out. Yeah. <laughs> Warning sign straight away. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm never seeing that movie ever again. But, um, this is an American neighborhood, like something like California. I I want to know what is going on with their neighbors, because their neighbors must be like, "What the fuck is going on <laughs> next door? Oh. What is he doing?" What, what That's an his, entire movie. I'm telling what was you. his name? His masters again. Oh yeah. Oh, he's stretching out another boy again. Oh dear. That's the third one this week. No one saw the other two lads who broke into the house again. No. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. Right. But it's, uh, Bloodsport <laughs> is uh, 1988. It came out in the fe- dreaded February slot. Yeah, the fuck you, it's February section. But it went on to become a hit. It made ridiculous amounts of money and did brilliantly on home video release. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. I don't think anyone can in any way describe it as high art. It really isn't. But, you know, it's, it's something that's a bit cheesy and that you can laugh at. You know, it, it's a canon film. What more really do you want? I've got a, a fantastic um, for love of sci-fi story for you. Oh, go on. Oh, for love of comic con or whatever it is. Now they got Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren just recently, a couple of months ago. Yes. Right. And one guy who... who works and promotes for the company who just like sucks ass like you would not believe to any major celebrity. And obviously it was Van Damme here. He's like constantly with him all the time. But they purposely set up so many different things that were Van Damme centric. And one of them was the Din Muck, the brick breaking thing. So they basically bought in a bunch of bricks Put them on a table, charging people for a photo opportunity with a pile of bricks they must probably got out of someone's yard. Jesus. Right? And Van Damme looks so embarrassed to be taking pictures next to this thing. Oh, my God. Almost as bad as um, the really bad Castle Grayskull that they made and Dolph Lundgren had to stand in front of it posing with people. Oh, you do kind of feel sorry. I mean, I know that they're over here and they are making some money off all the pictures and everything, but there must be a point when you're doing something like that and you think back at how far your stock has fallen. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know what? This was a connecting flight. I've come here for like four hours. Take money and run. Just like Keith Sutherland did, I guess. Um, All right, so what's next anyway? Okay. Let's uh, bump the years up a little bit. Let's go back 30 years this week. Mm -hmm. And I'm amazed this got released in the dreaded February spot. Because 30 years ago, Falling Down was released. Oh, really? Which is probably one of my favourite movies. Yeah, I've not seen it in a long time. time. Because the older I get, the more I'm starting to think that Michael Douglas's character was kind of right on. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was part of the thing that uh, a few weeks ago, I well, I say a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, um, I asked the people who read it about who you used to hate in a movie, but now as you're getting older, you start to identify more with, and defense did come up quite a bit. Because uh, yeah. he's got a point. You know, you go into a burger place and you order a burger and you want it to look even reasonably like what it has on the display, but out comes just this crap lump of stuff <laughs> I, I think it's it's a double edged sword really because one you know is a story of a guy who is stalking his ex-wife and his daughter and his very dangerous overtones towards him and is very violent with them well mm-hmm. not violent with them or as Barbara Hershey says in the movie you know she sometimes felt that he could be yeah Right, so it doesn't actually make him out to be this horrible woman-beating, child-beating person, because he wasn't. He was just very unhinged. And then you juxtapose that with (laughs) the very real thoughts that we all have towards everyday life. Yes. That this guy is just able to, like, bring out with joyful abandon, you know, with every interaction with a person, whether it's the bum in the park asking him for change, to get home and how many of us have witnessed one of those people who's just like oh I need money for the train home it's like why did you get here <laughs> uh, I, why did I, you come here 
I had I had one of those when I used to work in Manchester, and I think I've mentioned it on the show before. But um, do, I was on my lunch, and I just popped out to grab a sandwich. I was walking back up to the shop where I worked, and there was a guy there going, "Excuse me, mate. Oh, I've had my I've had my wallet stolen, and 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 my car nicked, and you know I need to get home. And uh, can you spare some change?" He's like, "Sorry, mate. I've not got any change." Week later, to the day. I'm on my lunch. I leave the shop. He's there with the same story. Oh, I'd be wallet stolen, my car stolen. I just said, really? That happened last week as well. He just went, ah, piss off, you fucking idiot. And then stomped off. (laughs) I would have said, yeah, you know what? It's a shame. They've probably sold your wallet and your car for drugs. Yeah. (laughs) It's what you were going to do as well, weren't it? Yeah. But um, (laughs) I, I love falling down. I really do. But the, the, there's always one memory of falling down that, that sticks with me. Because obviously I saw this on home video and it was rented. So I was able to watch it the next morning because my parents mm-hmm. would watch a movie. And if they're like, oh, yeah, he's all right, you can watch that. So they're like, okay, yeah, you can watch it if you want to watch it. So I was watching it with my friend Lee. Lee Ty Hunter was his name. I was watching it in my living room. Hi, hi, Lee. I know you're out there somewhere. Uh, Watching it in my living room, and my nan comes round. So, at <laughs> the worst possible timing in the world, right? Because we're watching it, and it's oh, cool. And my nan's there talking to my mum. God bless them both. And suddenly, the scene with the Nazi in the the um, army shop. Oh yeah, that is the scene that's in the background. And straight away, and apologies, I don't want this to offend anyone, but I'm quoting the line in the movie that Frederick Forrest, who plays the Nazi guy, shouts out, fucking faggots! (laughs) And you could hear the world drop. (laughs) You know, everything. And I'm like, oh, God, that was uncomfortable. And then Frederick Forrest starts going on this tirade about black people and gay people and how defense probably enjoys getting fucked up the arse. And my nan is there in the room, turns to my mum and says, you let him watch this stuff? <laughs> and that's that has always stuck in my mind to this day. And every time I see that film and that scene comes on, I'm like, oh, God. That's not a memory to keep. This has got Robert Duval in it. Is he really? Is he really <laughs> letting himself down, being in such filth? I really liked him in the streets of San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's my falling down straight. But I do love that movie. And one thing I have found out, as you know, I I, I love doing research into locations and where stuff was shot. Yeah. And I found something out. That was very interesting. Now, there's a scene in Falling Down where Defense's character, to escape the police, he jumps over this, uh, it's like a, a surgeon's house, like in Beverly Hills. And the caretaker there has his family there. Right. And they're kind of like using the, the house, and he's played by John Deal, great actor. And he kind of almost takes this family hostage while he's holding from the police for this one scene. Now, that house. I was like, okay, I know where that is. That's great. I know that house. And as I was looking at other films were shot there, it was like, hang on a minute. Michael Douglas is in most of these movies. It's not his house, is it? I'm thinking that is was his house in Beverly Hills because he used it in Black Rain. Right. Uh, he used it in War of the Roses. And right. There was a couple other movies around that time frame in the 90s. Uh, a Perfect Murder, I think, was one of them as well. And that house was used, but also in movies that Michael Douglas also produced and didn't star in. So I'm like, oh. that's got to be Michael Douglas's house in Beverly Hills at the time. He's got to have some kind of connection to it. If the same property keeps coming up over and over and over again, it has to be some connection. Definitely. You know, so, and as Black Rain and Falling Down, two of my favourite films, you know, so it, it was... Very bizarre to see. But yeah, that's just a little bit of trivia there for you on Falling Down. Wonderful. This week. Okay, what do we have next? Well, this would be an interesting one uh, to hear from Mr. Mirish, because Mr. Mirish was working with Joel Silver around the time. Uh, 20 years ago this week, Jet Li's 
I guess third big Hollywood movie, Cradle to the Grave, was released. Ah, yeah, I haven't seen this one. Um, I I am aware of it. Don't know much about it. Um, it didn't so. do as well as Romeo Must Die, and I don't right. think a lot of movies can because Romeo Must Die is amazing. It I I really did love that movie because it was just Romeo and Juliet in a martial arts movie with Jet Li. You know, it's it's and it's a great movie. It really is a great movie. Uh, Cradle to the Grave. Uh, I mean, it had some great talent in it. Uh, the late DMX was Jet Li's kind of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, co-star. Yeah, oh. co-star. Because they weren't exactly partners or anything. But no. I guess they kind of became partners in it a bit. He's his Damon Wayans to his Bruce Willis. Put it that right. Way. Um, you know, you had Mark Dacascus. We need more, more Mark Dacascus in the world. We really do. Uh, because he plays the main villain in it. And I remember seeing it say, thank God, you know, someone is actually using Mark Dacascus, you know, for his talents, who is an amazing martial artist, uh, amazing cook as well. He did a chef show, strangely enough. Um, and the last time we may have seen him on the big screen, he was in the last John Wick film, John right. Wick Chapter 3, as uh, the guy hunting him down. And it was an amazing fight with him. Uh, Mark Dacascus, you might have seen in uh, Only the Strong, which I believe was his debut movie, which was basically Dead Poets Society with people kicking each other in the face. <laughs> you know, way I can explain it. Uh, Dangerous it's, Minds with Martial Arts. A slight detour, but you know, you were saying about uh, he, he, you know, he's a martial artist, but he's also got a cooking show. Yeah, I found out a really interesting little nugget of information today that uh, uh, former LA Lakers professional basketball player Kareem Abdul Jabbar, yes, who was himself a martial artist as well, he studied the uh, Kune Do under Bruce Lee, as you can see in Game of Death. Yes, yeah. Apparently, he wrote a Sherlock Holmes novel. Really? Really? I just found that out today. That that is such like a weird amalgamation of things to come together. But uh, yeah, so it just goes to prove that you 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 never really can tell exactly what some people are really really passionate about. You could have asked me to list five thousand different things that could have been the answer, and I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. Weird, isn't but, it? Yeah, that's, that's that's very weird. I don't know if I'll ever recover from that one. No. Um, Cradle to the Grave, I would be hard-pressed to say that I fully remember it. The only thing that I really remember is there is a chase on ATVs. Um, Jet Li, this was kind of around the time he'd had his big hurrah, you know, his Chinese career. Lethal Weapon 4, Romeo Must Die, mm-hmm. uh, Kiss of the Dragon, which I still think is an amazing movie. Uh, pretty sure I did something else within that time frame as well. Was that was the one around about that time? Or the was that... one, yeah. The yeah. one was, I think, um, I think it was before this. So I think that mm. was 2001. I'd forgotten about that. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. See, I'm good for uh, something. Yeah, and then Cradle to the Grave. I don't know if Cradle to the Grave was a hit or not for Warner Brothers and and Joel Silver. Um, That's Bill. But I think Jet Li's career started winding down. The Hollywood A-lister started winding down from there. But uh, Kiss of the Dragon is still an amazing movie, and Romeo Must Die is still the greatest thing that Jet Li has done in America. But yes, Cradle to the Grave was dumped by Warner Brothers into the February (laughs) spot. Uh, maybe they just didn't feel it was going to do well. Who knows? Into the February sinkhole. Yes. Yeah. And do you know the funny thing is, I've just I've just realised, and this is not by choice, all four of the movies were released by Warner Brothers in February. Oh. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if that's their month. Because even though Bloodsport was Canon Films, Canon Films was being released by Warner Brothers in the UK. Uh, so oh. it was actually classed as a Warner Bros. movie. Falling Down obviously was. Cradle to Grave through Joel Silvers was um, a, a February release. And now our last one, 10 years ago this week, 
Legendary Pictures through Warner Brothers released Jack the Giant Slayer. Ah, hmm. No, I've not seen this one. I remember the posters. But yeah. I it, it was a time when you had all these dark reimaginings of fairy tales. You had uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Uh, I think this was about the time that you had Maleficent. And then there was... Hansel and uh, Gretel Witch Hunters. Yeah. Snow White and the Huntsman. But about, yeah. you know, before Disney started remaking all their shit, <laughs> we were having the real sadistic... Was... Uh, Brothers Grimm round about this time as well? No, no, that was that was years before. That was like two thousand five, yeah. I think. I like that. But um, yeah, ten years ago, Jack the Giant Slayer. I am going to go on record here. I freaking love this movie. <laughs> I really did. Now, this was one of those movies that was, I believe, uh, victim of the reshoots. Uh, that they said, "Oh, we're doing this conversion to three D." It's like, nah, that's reshoots, mate. Don't G.I. Joe us. We know, we know what we're getting here. G.I. Joe, it's like, oh, no, we're, we decided to go and uh, convert the movie to 3D. It's like, no, you didn't. You're doing reshoots. It's just, what, what cameras go to Louisiana to shoot 3D? Yeah, plus you can just do post-process. Yeah. No, you can, I, is either good or it's Clash of the Titans, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you take an old film. I've got 3D versions of Terminator 2 and Predator upstairs. So. Yeah, that Terminator 2 one's brilliant. I've got the 3D version of that. Yeah. And it well, really is beautiful. I, I haven't had a chance to actually watch it in 3D yet because uh, because my my wonderful girlfriend, Amanda, decided that uh, my Blu-ray player needed to have a drink of orange juice. So <laughs> proper fizzed and banged as well. Oh, nice. Beautiful. So, I actually was yeah. te- keep teasing her about that. At one point, I did get the player and put it on the bed with a note saying I know what you did last October so. <laughs> well, anyway, Jack the Giant Slayer uh, is a great movie, I really love it and not on that, it has a good friend Ralph Brown in it as well, hello which, Ralph yeah, hello Ralph, hope oh, you're feeling good mate you know it has the great assembled cast it's an amazing revision of the Jack the Giant Slayer as you'll understand they didn't call it Jack the Giant Killer because I think the Asylum beat them to it. Mm. Yes. Starring, yeah, I actually know one of the actors in the Jack the Giant Killer version. But I also know an actor in Jack the Giant Slayer and I know which one I'd rather be watching. So yeah, Jack the Giant Slayer, it's so good. It was so, so good. So much better than it deserves to be. This is a movie that I can happily like stick on with my kids, and some of it is pretty savage, but it is great. And who is it who directed it? I'm gonna say Brett. Is it Brian Singer? Oh, Brian Singer. Yeah, one one of those ones we don't talk about anymore. Um, Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Brian Singer, but it was so beautifully done, you know, and it's. Really good adventure movie, great CGI, much better than the BFG. The BFG's CGI was great, but Jack the Giant Slayers was better. Good quality, high level. Very, yeah, very, very high quality. Um, this, even though it's not certified fresh, I would chuck that in the box because I fully believe it deserves to be there. Um, and it's hard to believe it was 10 years ago. I remember going to see it and I was like, this is awesome. I don't get where all the hate is coming for it. Yeah, that that wonderful period when three D films were were the thing, all kicked off by Avatar, yes. and now Avatar two is making all of the money, and I still don't get why. Uh, I, I I didn't go to see it. I've not gone to see it. I actually don't know anyone that's gone to the cinema to see that. <laughs> you know the funny thing, apart from the people that I know in the business who go and see it anyway, but I don't know anyone regular everyday people that actually have gone and paid money to see this movie. No. None of my friends, none of the people that I that I, you know that I work with, no, nobody. Nothing. It's just it's it it's like the third highest grossing film in the world, but I don't know anyone that's actually paid money to go see it. No. So let us know if you went to see it. <laughs> that's that's our challenge for the day. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, I'm going to put it to you. Jack the Giant Slayer. It's something you can watch with the kids. Something we can watch without the kids. It's awesome. Go and watch okay. it. Right. Well, that's it. That's a, sounds like a good recommendation to uh, to end that on. 
so I guess we've only got one part of the show left to go, and that's to answer the immortal question. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Ah, uh, it never gets old. No. Neil, you pulled a blinder out when you made that. Yeah, you did. We always we always got to give credit to our Neil for belting that out. He's he's just been on TV, I believe. He's been involved with the UK's leading Black Sabbath tribute band, mm-hmm. uh, Cadabra. and uh, they were just on TV recently because they got to go and play uh, the anniversary of Black Sabbath, I believe, and one of their albums, and they got to go and play the entire album. Wow. At, uh, at a club, and apparently it was an absolutely awesome show. I wish I'd have known I would have gone. Yeah, I bet that was a good night. Yeah, we want to hear all about it, Neil. Let us know. Yes, we and do. Let us know when your next gigs are. We want to promote them for you. And also come and get drunk. Yes. And also yes. listen to our show. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what is What's in the Box, Steve? For those who have only just discovered us. Are we doing the, the positive one or are we doing the... No, we're never doing that negative one again. Okay, the experiment is over. It was a failure. Right. Andy is going to pull out the name of a movie which is certified fresh out of a box. If I have seen it, then he's going to keep pulling out names of movies until he finds one that I haven't seen, and then I've got to go away and watch that before we record our next episode. Yeah. So, Very good. Very good. Delvin. Bravo. Thank you. Okay, Delvin. Watch this be Rocky Balboa, and now we're going to completely <laughs> before sunrise ourselves. It'd be good, though. Um, but I think you need a bit of... A I, I don't think I that. did... I wouldn't object to that. Okay. Well, you're not getting it, apparently. Okay. Depending if you've seen this movie. I've, I've pulled out three here, because that's our regular number. Uh, have you seen, Steve, The Great Escape? Oh, God, yes. Everyone's seen The Great Escape. Oh, you'd be surprised. Yes. Okay. okay, so you've seen The Great Escape. That's one down. He's going to get over that fence one of these days. Oh, Speaking of Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. have you seen Fatal Attraction? Yes, I have. Oh, that's two. <sighs> yep. Ooh, ooh, it's going down to the wire now. It's all oh, on this one, Steve. We've never gone further than three. No. Could this be the time? Ooh, this could be a contender. Steve, have you seen Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street? Yes, I have. Oh, my God, he's broke the three. Broke the three. No That's awesome. Okay. Oh no, no, we did it. We did three last time. We've never got to four. We've never got past four. Okay. Okay. All right. This is it. It's all, all on right. this one. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm feeling positive here because it's from 2007. <laughs> Which is the year you mysteriously disappeared from watching any freaking movie that was made, apparently. Yeah. Um, The movie is called Breach. It stars Chris Cooper, Ryan Felipe, uh, Dennis Haysbert, Laura Linney. It's a thriller. I don't think you've heard it. No, I've never even heard of that one. Okay, well, the synopsis here. FBI upstart Eric O'Neill enters into a power game with his boss, Robert Hansen, an agent who was put on trial for selling secrets to the Soviet Union. Wow. Wow. We really should just completely ignore the rest of what's in the box and just concentrate solely on 2007. Because yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the, the reliable thing. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. I, I really want to run a poll now to see... Uh, if there's any other year where you seem to have blacked out. I don't know. What, yes. what was I what was I doing at that time? I was I was working on I was working for CBBC. I was d- doing a few bits and pieces here and there and and then I lost weight, so Yeah, well probably you were busy. Yeah. But yes, Breach is your movie. Right. Okay. Well there we go. Yeah. Uh, you can join us next week uh, to hear about that. We don't know if we're going to have someone with us next week. We might do. One thing to say is thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, we're glad we've got this episode out. It has actually been a fun episode. Thank you very much, Steve. For and thank you very much, you. Dragging me back 
into Pottywood this week and finally getting me to sit down and actually do it. Well, we needed to get something done, didn't we? Otherwise, the lovely boys and girls out there are just going to be twiddling their thumbs. Yes, they have to listen to reputable people (laughs) (laughs) when they're, like, walking to work. Hi, Sarah. That one's for you, by the way. I know you're on your way to work and you're listening to us. Or you're on your way home, one or the other. But thank you very much for always listening. Luke, I know you're listening, doing something out there. Hi to you. And uh, I think that's covered our entire audience. Oh, my mum. Oh, your mum? Oh, yeah, your mum. How's she doing anyway? She's fine. She's doing well. Good. That's what we like to hear, mum. But oh, 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 wait a minute. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. What? I have to say, we have a fan, a major fan who loves to listen. And when we we? did the Valentine's episode, yes, we we have one. It's all right to have one. Jesus Christ. But it amazed me here that um, Richard Mirish told me this person was uh, a fan of ours. So I don't want to name drop him, but I already did. So there you go. Um, And that would be John Mirish. And I want to say a big hello to John Mirish, who absolutely, you know, loves our show. And we love it. Uh, Hello, John. Three-time mayor of Beverly Hills. Wow. Of course. Oh, yeah. As well as an executive at Paramount and IMAX back in the day. Wow. And uh, he religiously listens to us. So I want to say thank you, John. And it's about time we got you on the show. Come and face off with your brother. That would be awesome. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah, if John Mirish can't beat Richard Mirish on one of our video specials... (laughs) We've got no hope. We've got no hope. But I can't believe there was only three points difference on that Valentine's quiz. Oh, I know. It was close. And, it was so um, close. Like we said, if you round. don't know what it is that we're talking about, then look down the list in your podcast app, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever. It's there. It's the previous episode to this. Look it up. You can also you can check out the actual video of it if you're wanting to hop over to our YouTube channel. Or yes. if you're on our YouTube channel, then you can listen to it on the go. It's it's just as hilarious with video as it is without video. I've listened to it on the go. I watched the video as well, and as Rick's well as I was doing it as well. But it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it's great either way. Yes. If you want to get in contact with us, then we are on all of the socials. We are on Facebook which is uh, forward slash facebook.com forward slash Pottywood. We're on Twitter at Pottywood, where we've got the, the r slash Pottywood subreddit. We're on LinkedIn. We're on My Instagram. We're on, I don't know, what else is there? Tumblr, probably. I don't know. Grinder, Grindr. Uh, Bumble. Um, Bump and Grinder. I, I don't know. <laughs> and the FBI's most wanted list. <laughs> So, yeah, um, just follow us. You'll know when an episode comes out. Yeah, so uh, from from now until then, it is another goodbye from me. And I guess I'll see you again next time too. Tatty bye, folks. (laughs) 